Well, the Scottish Government have said that congregations may gather for services, for worship, though with the restrictions that were there before, the two-metre distance, the, uh, which means we can only have 20-plus in, in, the, in the room here, uh, wearing of face masks, the no singing, the no going over to speak to one another. Uh, and so with these restrictions in mind, we, we will continue with the morning service being online and telephone. But from May, we're also going to begin a service in the building here at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoons, a shorter, more reflective service, keeping within the restrictions of the pandemic. Many folks have asked about when we're meeting and meeting again, and it's, it's part of the whole we want to get back to normal that we hear all around us. And I understand why folks are feeling that way. I understand why folks want to get back to the things that they've known before. And when folks are talking about that here, I understand folks talking about seeing one another, about coffee mornings and meeting up. I get the attraction of that, but that is not all that church is. We're not just a religious alternative to the pub or the sports or anything else where people gather to see one another. Our gathering is not simply our getting together, but meeting in Christ. And Jesus is to have a central and indispensable and totally significant part of our gathering, our meeting, and our reasons for gathering. And so I worry a bit when folks say, I'm looking forward just to seeing one another. Yes, we should, but it should be more than that. It's a similar worry I have when we think about eternity, and I, and I hear folks saying that they're looking forward to seeing their mum or their dad or their child or their pet or whatever again. It's not that these things don't matter, but the most important thing is being with Jesus and in His kingdom. The important thing is a fullness of enjoying a fullness of His salvation, not taking up as, with our loved ones as if nothing had changed. And today, on Easter Sunday, I want to reflect on how the message and meaning of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus, takes us further than simply a return to normal, simply going back to what there was before, both for us emerging out of a COVID-dominated period, and also for looking ahead to eternity and God's kingdom. It's not a going back to normal. It's not a return to as you were. There's something more that God wants and has in store for us. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it was not a going back to what there was before. You don't see Jesus appearing to his disciples and saying, hmm, is it wonder if there's a stretch of water that we could go walking on? You don't see Jesus saying, I wonder how many people we could feed if it was five fish and two rolls. No, it's not going back. It's a, it's, it's a moving on. The resurrections, the claiming of new ground, the establishing of new hope, the call to a different future. The resurrection is a fulfillment of what God had been doing and planning. Now, there are three different resurrection appearances or, or stories in, in Luke chapter 24. And the first in the first 12 verses is when the dis disciples first go to the tomb and find it empty. And then in verses 13 to 35, we have the story of the two followers on the road to Emmaus and Jesus drawing alongside. And then in verses 36 to 49, we have the passage that Margaret read er earlier on, the appearance of Jesus to his disciples. 
And on each of these occasions, Jesus makes plain how his death and resurrection were a fulfillment of what had been promised, a fulfillment of what the Scriptures had said about him. So, in verse 7 of the first story, in verses 25 to 27 of the second story, in verses 45 to 47 of the third story, there's a reference back to the teaching and what has to happen, a reference back to the Scriptures. Because Jesus hadn't been making it all up as He went along. He came in order to fulfill God's work and God's plan. God had created the world for His enjoyment and glory, but people had spoiled it through disobedience and sin. God promised to restore the world, and He called the people, Israel, to be His agents, His representatives in the world. And when they didn't live up to His calling, there was within Israel the promise that a Messiah, an anointed one, a Christ would come, and God's kingdom would be established through Him. And that Messiah, that servant, is Jesus. And as Jesus comes out of the tomb that Easter Sunday, so there is the declaration, He's done it. He has won. The purposes of God have overcome. The kingdom of God is bursting forth. Now, the kingdom of God was at the heart of all that Jesus had been doing in His public ministry. He began His ministry declaring that the kingdom of God was at hand. We're told in Matthew 4, 23, He went about teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news about the kingdom and healing people. He told us in the prayer that Matthew and Luke both record the Lord's Prayer, He told us to be praying for that kingdom. Here on earth, your kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. He asked or told us in Matthew chapter 6, at verse 33, to seek first the kingdom. He promised victory over evil and the growth of the kingdom, for example, in the parables that we have in Matthew 13. And after his death and rising, he appeared to his followers and talked with them about the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. See, Jesus left us in no doubt at all that what he was doing was bringing in, establishing this kingdom of God. And that was why he created such a stir in his own time and place. Crowds didn't flock to hear Jesus because they wanted to be told well, come on, guys, be a bit nicer to one another. People didn't flock to hear Jesus to be told, well, one day if you're good, you can get to heaven. They didn't flock to hear Jesus because God was going to forgive them. The Jews knew, knew all of that. They had their temple, their sacrifices, and their ways for all of these things. No, they came to hear Jesus because Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, the God's anointed, the agent, the one who was bringing in the kingdom of God. And when, as, as happened, many people deserted Jesus, it was because he was saying, the kingdom of God is coming, but it's, it's not like you were expecting Jesus' kingdom was going to come in through love, through sacrifice, not through political domination of Israel over other nations. And in Jesus' rising, that new way of God's kingdom is brought to birth. And something of the huge transformation of the significance of it all is gathered, is highlighted by the gospel writers 
in many of the symbolic things that they draw attention to. Without denying that it's a bodily resurrection, they, they also point to the meanings of the moment of sunrise after a long night, the time of new meetings, new meals, of reconciliation, the first day of God's new week, and a new commissioning. It's the beginning, you see, of a new era, a new creation. God's kingdom is established. It's not a return to what there was before. And one of the things that is striking when we read the passage in Luke 24, and it's also striking when we read the resurrection stories in the other three Gospels, is that nothing is said along the lines of, Jesus is risen, so now you can be sure of going to heaven. There is no, Jesus is risen, so you'll be able to see your mom and dad again. The gospel accounts give the resurrection a very now, a very towards this world focus. The message for Jesus' followers is not, you can now be sure of eternal life, you can be confident there's a heaven to go to. Read the passage again and see if that's there. It, it isn't. What Jesus' followers are to do in the light of the resurrection is to serve in the kingdom of God through making Jesus' gospel known. They are to take on and continue the work that he has been doing. The church is to take its place in this fulfillment, and this big story, and the plans and purposes of God. And in verses 47 and 48 of our passage, Jesus' followers are giving a brief for doing mission. Because Jesus is risen, because He is the Savior, because He is giving the promised Holy Spirit, because His message about repentance and forgiveness is true, go and share it, go and declare it. Now, I don't mean that longed-for reunions don't matter. I don't mean it's wrong to look forward to seeing one another again post-COVID. I don't mean it's not right to suppose that we can see and meet with our loved ones in God's eternity. It's not that we have to minimize these things or the importance of these things, but rather we have to highlight the huge significance of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus that all this matters. It is Jesus who is the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose to redeem the world, verse 44. A new life is impossible apart from Jesus. And he did so much to make it possible. So that he might present us to his father, his brothers and sisters, and live abundant life with us forevermore but it all hinges on, it all depends on Jesus and what He's done for us. The Scriptures, verse 45, all point to Him. Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand Him, and it speaks about Him. He had done the same to the two followers on the road to Emmaus. He, verse 47, is the good news. He's to be made known throughout the world. And it is Jesus, verse 49, who gives us the Spirit. So what we should be looking forward to both in coming out of COVID and in eternity is being able to say thank you to Jesus, to praise Jesus, to worship Jesus, to honor Jesus and serve Jesus 
We should be delighted to throw off the COVID restrictions where they have got in the way of our doing Jesus' work. Not just throw them off with delight because we can go on holiday or go to this or that event or meet this and that person. These other things, of course, have their place, but their place is below Jesus. That's what it means when we say Jesus is Lord. We're not saying Jesus is no bad or that he's worth having in our lives. We are saying that he is all in all. He is the one to whom we owe everything. He is the one through whom our deepest needs are met, our biggest hopes fulfilled, our toughest issues overcome. Jesus is Lord. Now, in our diaries, um, for those of us who still have such things, in our diaries, Easter comes and Easter goes. It's over in a short while. But for Christians, it's always Easter. Christ is risen. And all that he calls his followers to are not things that we can do in festival seasons and then forget. They're not things that we do simply by remembering to keep an hour or a week special or whatever. It's a whole change of life, of life's activities and life's priorities and life's aspirations that we're called to. Now, a lot of folk spoke at the beginning of lockdown a year ago now. A lot of folks spoke, spoke about how things they wanted to be different after all this. But increasingly, the talk is returning to the same old. Can I get abroad for my holidays, please? I want to gather with my mates. I want to go to the theater. We've got a right to protest, and so on and so on. Now, again, these things are not necessarily wrong or bad. But they add up to the being and doing the same before. It's about me and mine and what I can do and what I can have. Many folks stood on doorsteps a year ago and clapped every, every week and then simply shrug when we hear that frontline workers are not getting very much of a pay rise although for nurses and NHS staff it's to be more in Scotland than the government declared down south. We're keen to get vaccinations, and we should be keen to get vaccinations, but we don't care too much if they're available in poor countries and so on. You see, we said we would value different things, but when, not even when push comes to shove, when push even gets approximately close to shove, they go back to the familiar, the same old. Now, the church should be different. And we cannot follow Jesus and be different just with a few religious activities now and again. No, it's an honoring of Jesus, putting Jesus first, living out his way, making him known, sharing his love that we're called to. And when, and I, and I think it is when rather than if, when restrictions are lifted, are we just going to get on with life as before and say, oh good, we can do that again? Or will we grasp the opportunity that the church has to reset herself, to honor Jesus by praising him more regularly, more faithfully, more eagerly than we did before? Because that's what resurrection calls us to. 
That's what Easter should mean to us. That's what the call of God's kingdom should mean to us. It's what Jesus should mean to us, that we're desperate to praise him. And to get it right in terms of putting Jesus' way and Jesus' purpose and priorities into practice, to get that right, we need to be faithful in honoring him in worship. Now, of course, there's a sense in which worship is an all-of-life response, as Paul tells us at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. But that worship as an all-of-life response is fed by our worship in the more particular sense of this act of devotion. And we are only willing, we are only able, we are only enabled to fulfill Jesus' call when we see that He's a big deal to us and that He first and foremost is Savior and Lord. And so we long to tell Him that, tell Him we love Him, give Him thanks and praise. Now, of course, we can be doing that on our own. But how much more fulfilling it is And how much more fulfilling it can be when we're able to do that praising with one another in Christ. Are you looking forward to that? Is Jesus more important than your mates? The Jesus who challengingly said to us, you cannot follow me and love your father and mother more than me. That Jesus... That's the Jesus who burst out the tomb of Easter. That's the Jesus who calls us to new life. That's the Jesus who says he's got more and more abundantly for us. So let's look forward. Let's anticipate that gathering together to celebrate Jesus, to declare that he is Lord, and to work out and wonder all he can and does mean to us. Amen.